Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Anyway, overture and hit the lights. This is it, the night of nights. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 186 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? I'm also joined by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. And you tell by the little to my voice that we also have Greg Heo down in San Francisco, California. Hello. The annual speculation and hmm show. Hmm. All righty. So, here we are. We have some, uh, we have to, uh, a, a bit of, um, I guess, I'm, I called it Ask MTJC, but it's technically not that, but it was a post from Nick Corn showing a screenshot of his screen with the red bar that Mark was talking about on Twitter there. I don't know if mm. you looked at that. Yep. I also get that, actually. Exactly. I, I, did, I never tweeted it, but I get that too. Yes, yes. And it's always on an external this monitor? It's larger for me. It's always on the external. It's always the right half. Not even half. Mine is more like the right third of the status bar yep. is red. I also get that. Really? I never get that on my screen. Now, so what is it? The precipitates are just like going to sleep and waking back up again? or I think I've gotten it with a fresh plug-in. So I have my laptop. I open it up. I'm lo- I log in and then I plug in the external monitor while it's already awake. Okay. And then the external monitor starts up and then it gets that red. I- I'm pretty sure I've seen it in that case as well. It just seems to be any fresh plug-in or when you wake from sleep, I think it happens So too. you guys are talking about MacBook Pros and-, and are you talking about like the new Touch Bar guys or USB-Cs? Or- I do have a yeah, new Touch Bar, bar one, yeah. Pro. So what do you have, yeah. Mark? Uh, touchpad MacBook Pro. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Hmm, weird. Or, okay. Yeah, Touch Bar rather, sorry. Yeah, and this is at work or at home? At work. Right. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm I'm not seeing that, and and I actually do also. Mind you, wait. So let's back up. Are you guys using USB C to HDMI or DVI or VGA? Uh, interesting. Or? I think mine. Is, I do have a USB C Touch Bar Mac as well. So it's USB USB C to something. I don't know what the something is. Though. That's a, it might be USB to Display Port. Actually, is what I have. I've seen this on two different monitors. One is one of the LG monitors recommended.
recommended by Apple, the official one, which is USB-C to USB-C. And I've also seen it on a different monitor going from USB-C uh, through an HDMI adapter into the HDMI monitor. Hmm. I wonder if it's a resolution thing, because this one looks like it's, I mean, the left side of his screen is cut off, but maybe it's, you know, it's, like a it's always like a thousand Well, here's a question too. So he's using the black uh, menu bar. Are you guys using black menu bars or does it matter? Oh, interesting. No. I nope. do have dark mode on, and I think I also have the transparency, uh, reduced transparency thing in accessibility, because I don't like the transparent stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I have those both. I have neither, neither yeah. of those turned on. Neither? Oh, oh, right. Then it's a it's a problem for everybody. Hmm. But not for me. me okay. mind you. I mean, it doesn't hurt anything. It's not like, oh my god, I can't use the computer or anything. No, but, uh, mind you, I'm, at work I'm using a, a, a um, Dell monitor, not a not a giant one like this one here in the picture. Hmm. So How what's big? The size? I think I have a BenQ monitor at work but i don't think it doesn't seem to make a difference seems to be all brands yeah one of the ones that Hmm. that i use uh looks like it's exactly the same model that he's using and the other one is the lg that i mentioned Hmm. yeah so it doesn't matter what monitor weird like a sync on green issue or something like that but i just wondered if the the, the dark (laughs) mode menu thing because i I never mess with my you know i just use everything out of the box kind of thing right yeah you know know, widespread problem that's all file radars Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right well we got a bit of follow-up here too um last week I think I picked Vero as a new social networking tool that I heard about on Spark on CBC Radio 1. And um, I signed up for it and I used it for like a few minutes. But I think I'm me and four other people are the only people I know on it. So <laughs> <laughs> so it's going real well, let's put it that way. But apparently uh, the guy who started it, um, I believe his name is Ayman Harari. His, um, there's some dubious past uh, history, not necessarily with him, but with his father, I believe. And so there's some question about uh, the investors and things like that. I don't know if you guys have read this thing. And it's just, again, it's just another, I guess you could say, I'm doing air quotes here, just another social networking tool, you know, similar to Instagram or Facebook. They claim, their claim to fame is that they're, they're, they say they'll never break away from the um, um, chronological view. They'll always sort of have that rather than trying to use um, um, algorithms to, to cater, you know, float ads in or whatever. And hey, you might want to follow this guy like other platforms mm, do. I can right? see that, so, yeah. yeah you, you guys were talking about it last week, but I, I don't see why, like you can still have a chronological chronological feed and stick ads in the middle. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think the two are like, you have to do one to do the other. Right. I don't know if you guys meant that, but that's the impression I got when you guys were talking last week about well, it. Well, we were talking about Instagram, which I wasn't aware does an algorithmic feed. I know that Facebook does, right? Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, so you, you can decline to comment if you like. Um, but Jaime, you were you were talking about this last week. Um, just yeah. just some, some nefarious history behind this is what my point was about bringing this post in. Around the Vera thing, with regard to the um, Greg's point there, I think you're right that it's not technically impossible to have ads in a chronological feed it just becomes more difficult to accustom the user to doing so right because if you know if you show something that is in chronological order i can say oh last time i checked was monday at 8 a.m it is now monday at 9 a.m there couldn't possibly be that much to see um and i can see exactly the delta between where i left off and where new content has come in it's a little harder to slot in an ad than it is oh ho ho here's this post from three minutes ago here's this post from three weeks ago be- that we brought up for reasons who knows uh just kind of having that skinner box ish sort of scheme of like you may or may not have new content you want to see and oh by the way we've uh, helpfully put some ad reads <laughs> and sponsor stuff in there as well hmm. okay i guess i i guess i see that i just all right i don't know i'm not i'm not entirely i don't know if you're trying to convince me but <laughs> not saying that you are but I, I just feel like those are two separate things if you had a chronological feed and there's only only two things happened in the last you know since i last checked if i really wanted to i could put ad Add thing, add thing, add. If I really wanted to, I don't see the two as like 
inextricably linked. Not that I'm saying that, I'm not saying that's what you're saying. Right. But I, I feel like the advertising thing and the chronological feed are just two different right. things. I don't think you need one to do right. the other. Right. And if they're saying they're going to stick with chronological, then I would say, all right, I believe yeah. it. They can, they can just put five ads on top and annoy people that way for people who hate uh, non-chronological feed. There are lots of ways to annoy sure. people. I mean, my, my issue with Facebook is, and it's been for a number of years, as you all know, is that, you know, you don't necessarily always see things unless you engage with the, the people. I tend to, people tend to fall off the face of the earth because I don't, I don't see their content at all, even though I know they're posting. But the the irony, mm. the ironic thing about Facebook is a couple. Of, I've, this has happened to me in the last couple of weeks, like several times. Uh, out of the corner of my eye, I'll see an ad there, and I'll be reading the content I'm looking at, in, you know, in, in the post, and I'll, I'll want to go back to that ad, so I'll scroll my mouse up to go and back to that ad that did catch my attention, and it's gone because their feed is updated or whatever. So that's, I think that's the mm. irony of the way Facebook is doing things currently, at least under desktop products. You see something that catches your eye, you got to click it. Yeah, right away. well, you it's know, training you. Yeah, can't can all be ADD all the time. So what are you up to on Vero, Tim? Um, what do you mean? Like just posting some pictures, got a, you know, a couple of streetcars on there and, you know, I, th- I did a post actually for our, we have some, um, some uh, lady developers for our women, International Women's Day post. I posted a picture there for that, you know, mm. as well as on the other Facebook and LinkedIn and that kind of stuff, right? So that kind of stuff, you know, just things that I find interesting and um, just seeing how it grows. Right? Okay. So it's like, I just noticed here in this, this uh, article here too, they talk about LO. I still have an LO account. Peach doesn't seem to be doing much these days. And I do have a Mastodon account, but I haven't really look, looked at it in a while. But uh, so Allo is kind of mm. sort of Allo's kind of sort of claiming to be more art art centric kind of thing, you know, photographers and illustrators and that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, lately, they've been hitting my email with you know some notice notices and that kind of stuff. But uh, it says here that that we've seen these guys come and go. So different, uh, like you know, Secret Allo, Peach, Meerkat, and Mastodon. I looked at Peach the other day, and it was like completely a ghost town with tumbleweeds blowing around. Does it? <laughs> Does anything actually happen on Ello? I, I had an account there about two years ago. Yeah, and yeah. It seemed like there were three people on it total, and and the UI was yeah. was pretty minimalist, and I would say not good. Uh, yeah, they've they've discovered color on Ello. Okay, now. they're no longer just okay. black and white. Yeah, so I was actually surprised when you said that it's it's an artist oriented thing, given that the UI. Yeah, no, it's so just that lately. I, well, you know, because I I kind of maybe this is algorithms again, but because I tend to sort of like look at that kind of stuff, I think they kind of somehow discovered my email address again and they enticed me enough to go back and click on it at least for a minute and, or maybe maybe because I went and clicked on it they kind of went oh hey this guy's still around and let's hit him up with some emails and stuff right I don't know strategies marketing yeah. so yeah I don't know just it's funny the the spam I'm getting on my phone and the spam I get in my mail accounts these days is just it's weird not like it used to be but still weird anyway moving on um, weird in what way in what sense just I don't know just the kind of I'm getting you know I get weirder sort of more fishy kind of emails like I get I, I get emails from people as if I've subscribed to things when I know I haven't, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know where they're getting my email from, and you know, so I like, you know, I just ignore them for a while, and if they if they don't go away after a period of time, I'll go and unsubscribe, and which is funny because my my um, piece settings used to block going to those uh, un, you know mail list unsubscribe pages, right? Because mm-hmm. they're they're suspect as well. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Like, I had a friend reach out to me probably a week or two ago on Facebook Messenger and said, "Hey, just wanted to let you know, I think something might have gotten into your you know uh, your email account because I got this email that claimed." to be from you, but it couldn't possibly be from you because it looks all weird and, you know, it looked fishy to him. And I looked at it and said, hmm, that's not my email address or any of my email addresses, but it's kind of close to a combination of some of them. So really? um, people are just 
you know, masking what they do and just sending out stuff in huge, huge volumes to, to try to find the like one tenth of one percent of people who you yeah. know, just don't notice. Right. Even if you know better, uh, which isn't necessarily all users, it could just be like, all right, well, I'm kind of in a rush. You know, I'm listening to music. I'm walking to the dog. I see this email. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me tap on this email from what appears to be my friend. And it's not. Yeah, I get a lot of those, too. I was reading something that said or at least claimed that that was due to a mutual contact of the two of you having been compromised or hacked. So they, they managed to, mm-hmm. they managed to get uh, both of your names from your from the third person's contact list and use that to send the other person your something coming from your name. That's pretty smart because instead of like Jaime said, like if you get a suspicious looking email, if I got a suspicious looking email from Tim, I would tell Tim, hey, I think you got hacked. And Tim no, would be like, what, hacked, what are no. you talking about? I didn't. But it's like, oh, it's a little me- redirection because it's actually like Mark exactly. got hacked and it pretended to be Tim sending me an email and then you sort of don't know who's right. at fault there. Right. So that's pretty smart. Yeah, here's an example of one some from Z Nitro. I have no idea who that is. And it's just it's a video of a dog driving down a road in a car. Like, why would I want that? Or why would I even care? Why would you not want a video of a dog <laughs> no, doing anything? No, that's crazy. I would love that. But, uh, yeah. but it's funny because my, my, my inbox is down to zero now because I'm, you know, I'm not really working out of this business that much anymore. And But one of the most annoying ones I get is Twitter. Like, I get these, like, probably five or six emails a day or every couple of hours telling me, oh, look, this person tweeted something and that person tweeted something. And, oh, look, Tim, tw- I even get them from myself saying I tweeted something, which I find funny. You can change that setting because I was getting annoyed I've by that tried. too. I, How do you I do found that? It somewhere. Okay, let's have a, let's have a yeah. sidebar. How do you do that? Those ones actually at the bottom, there's an unsubscribe and that actually works. Um, if it really is from Twitter, assuming it oh, really is so from Twitter. Oh, so on the bottom of this thing, I just go unsubscribe? Okay. Yeah, the key thing is to make sure you don't misspell your mother's maiden name or, you know, double check your, your bank account <laughs> the numbers. The last four digits of your uh, social security number or something, yeah. <laughs> really? Okay. Pro tips. All right, we'll see if that one goes away. So, Tim, the real question is, was the dog sitting at home while driving down the road? <laughs> For those of you driving at home. In joke for a long time. Humor, humor for those of you driving at home. Yeah. Don't worry, he'll be here all week. Try the deal. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So apparently Apple's Swift language is now top tier in the top 10, according to Wired.com's article, which I believe we were talking about Woo-hoo. just before the show are reading from, where are they reading from? Uh, Stack Overflow questions. So right. I think they're scraping Stack Overflow, looking at which languages get a lot of questions and answers. Oh, really? Okay. Right. Yeah. And so they're saying Swift is number 10. Where was it? Less than four. Four years old, is it? Yes, it is. Less than four years old. Yeah, it's 2014, mm-hmm. yeah. Hard to believe it's been four years old. Four years since it came out. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. Really? Yeah, that's true. It's true. Anyway, that's interesting. A little bit of tidbit, tidbitty story there. We'll put that in our show notes for those of yeah. you who want to look at uh, Kotlin was also pretty high on that list, too, mm-hmm. which doesn't surprise me. There's a lot of enthusiasm around that. Would this be now the time to run that fabulous ad that we have? I was just going to say, <laughs> what a segue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Put your head back, folks. Here comes the drill. RayWinderlich.com has been the best place to learn iOS development on the internet for a long time. Over eight years, in fact. I've been using it that long. How about you? And now the team at RayWinderlich.com is expanding in a big way into Android and Kotlin development with an avalanche of new Android and Kotlin books, courses, and screencasts. From March 19th to 30th, you can get access to the all-new Android Kotlin books, courses, and screencasts at a massive 20% discount. If you've been thinking about moving your career ahead with Android and Kotlin development, this is definitely the time to do it. Head on over to store.raywonderlick.com to take advantage of their time-limited Android Avalanche sale, which ends March 30th. 
Tim, it's Pi Day. Did you do any updates to Pi Day Countdown? I didn't do any updates to Pi Day Countdown. Well, I was disappointed yesterday. I don't know if you saw that James Thompson's uh, PCALC got uh, featured by the Apple Store, the App Store, um, saying that, it, you know, happy Pi Day. Here, celebrate by downloading, you know, their app. And I'm like, but wait, I have a Pi Day Countdown app too, you know. Does it support the notch? Is it updated for iPhone 10? Does it what? Sorry, too many questions at once. What? Watch and iPhone 10 were the two questions. Uh, no, mine does not have a watch app. And um, mm-hmm. Yes, I did update it for iOS. Oh, I think I did. Now that, you, now that you say that, fire it up on your iPhone 10 and let's see if it handles the notch. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. know, all week that people have been calling it iPhone X at work, and I've just I stopped face plant. I was getting like a burn on my face from the face palms. You know, <laughs> they should they should have just given it the number 10 if they wanted people so, to get it correct. In my in my signature at work, it says you know Tim Mitra and all that kind of stuff, and, and just bef- above below my name, it says iPhone. It's pronounced iPhone 10 phonetically, right? So people can't make a mistake about it. You know? but, like you write out the word T E N. Well, no, you know the like it's like an upside down Omega symbol, uh, like a Greek yeah, E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know what you the, mean. Yeah, you know, yeah. like phone is F F upside down Omega, you know W N E or something like that, or whatever. Yeah, for phone, yeah, yeah, which is phone, and I is E Y E or whatever, or A I or something like that. Like, and then 10 is T E N, and they still call it iPhone X. It is the letter X, so you can't really yeah uh, can't really fault them for it. What was I looking for? Oh, Pi D. iPhone 10 support. Oh, nope. That's probably why. That's why I didn't get featured. Yeah. You know how long it would yeah. take me to update that to iPhone 10? Five minutes. Ten minutes. Okay, five minutes. Is it the storyboard? Uh, no, it's not a storyboard. But hey, I could make it a storyboard. Uh, There's a good reason to make it a storyboard, right? Uh, I hate storyboards. Why? Hey, but then you can have, you know, container view controller containment done the correct way and not the way that I'm doing it, which is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I always yeah. mess it up, so I think I am doing it wrong. So why do you hate storyboards there, Greg? Let's go there. Uh, so many reasons. I think the big Besides one Besides the fact is... that they're buggy and stuff like that. <laughs> Admittedly, this, I think, doesn't... It's just not supported, which is crazy. But having a storyboard with a stack view with things like labels in them, where the number of lines is zero, so it doesn't know oh, what height it should be. Right. Which works when you run it at runtime, but when you're looking at it in IB, it just looks all yeah, broken, yeah. or the height yeah. becomes zero, or the height becomes like 50,000. Yeah. So the thing goes way, off screen. There's a way to fix that. You want to know how? Mm-hmm. Uh, how? Don't use storyboards? No. You absolutely use storyboards, and you set, the, you set a constraint to whatever makes it look right in the storyboard. And mm-hmm. then you click the button to deactivate that constraint at, at runtime. runtime. Yeah, <laughs> that is such a hack, though. There's no reason why the storyboard can't know, can't do all the linear equations and solve the size of the thing. There's no reason why I can't do it, and I just don't understand why. And then you, you don't even have to upgrade Xcode. You just have your other someone else on your team open it, and it doesn't look right. Yeah, for them. yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like, okay, well then, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. And it's just, it's just a, it's, it's just no good. Yeah, I had a, I had a, a Touch ID thing I did a while ago, and it was same sort of thing, but this time it was everything aligning to the right hand side or left hand side like every time you touch the constraint it would everything would shove over to the left and if you just like incremented it by one it would it would center again so mm. i did figure out a, a solution for that i forget what they answered there. so so i actually i almost never use stack views really mm. they sound good on paper and i find that they just don't work right at all yeah. as far as i can tell mm-hmm. for what i want at least so i don't use them i well, i mean we, we use them all the time and they work and they're understandable i think but they just don't work well with story or with interface builder from what I hear, mm-hmm. which is like, yeah. okay, fine, but we use them a lot because they're convenient. Not for everything, but, you know, sometimes you have, it's, it's not like rocket science. You can have a scroll view and put three elements in them and line them up and make your own, I'm making air quotes, make your own stack view. It's not difficult, but it's just easy. You make a stack view, you set 
set the spacing, you put three things in there and you're done. It's just, it's just so convenient. Yeah. Well, yeah. You can yeah, easily yeah. do without, so, if you said you can never use stack views, I'd be like, well, that's fine. I can live without them, but they're just convenient. But yeah, I think people maybe try to use them more than they should. Like if you put a stack view inside a stack view inside a stack view inside a stack view to make some kind of a grid layout, then that might be going a little too far. But isn't that yeah, how but, Uncle Sam yeah, taught us? Yeah, what you said, what you said, I, I agree. There, there are certain cases where it works very well, where if you have, hmm. if you know that there's a constant spacing, say between your labels yeah, and that, and, and you just want to have this, this, this unit, say centered on your screen, whatever, that works great. Mm-hmm. But if mm-hmm. you ever have a case where you want the spacing to scale with the size of the screen, mm. for example, they, mm. they're just awful. Yeah. Unless the stack view is constrained to the entire view, top to bottom, then you can have it scale because you can do flexible spacing in between elements or something. Yeah. But it, you could do it. But yeah, if it's yeah, inside yeah, something and inside yeah. something, then it's not, yeah, that's not going to work. Yeah. I, I find that uh, they just don't work very well. Not for me. Hmm. So timely. Well, for IB, for my IB complaint, I say the entire purpose, not the entire, but the large, the big purpose of IB is to show visual layout. Right. Yep. Show you visually what your layout is. And if it can't, if it can't even do that, then I just say it's, it's useless. What's the point? It's so very that, timely know. conversation we're having here, considering one of the topics for today's <laughs> show. <laughs> Why is it timely there, Jaime? Apple has uh, announced the official dates for this year's Worldwide Developers Conference. WWDC Ooh. will be once again in San Jose, California, June 4th through the 8th. And uh, as of this recording, you still have time to um, to put your hat in the ring. So just as normal, they're going to have the lottery system. So you can register by Thursday, March 22nd at 10 a.m. Pacific for your chance to maybe be able to pay uh, $1,600 U.S., or two thousand ninety nine Canadian, right? Which is it's well, okay. So I can't speak to the like the changes in um, you know the exchange rate, but that's still the same price that it has been for a very long time. I think people yeah, that's are talking true. about towards like two thousand two yeah. or something. So it, it is not. Are gone they still up serving for, the same uh, burrito rolls for lunch? It's the same wonderful sandwiches, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the Kremlinology has begun because we have a, a quite a bit of a different look for mm-hmm. their announcement invitation sort of thing. Normally, we're used to some sort of colored splotch that we start looking at the shapes and try to understand. And this one is a little bit more subdued, but yet it has more of a, a, a 3D or possibly AR kind of feel to it. It has a lot of UI widgets sort of stuff to it. It can gets people thinking about this Mac plus iOS right. sort of combination yeah. developer sort of thinking that people have been talking about. It reminds me of Aqua. Do you remember Aqua? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the and lickable the... or lickability kind of yeah, user Yeah, yeah. Because if you look at the the, um, the document buttons there, they're sort of round and the increment uh, buttons seem to be clear, translucent loosened sort of material as well, right? And even the chat bubble, the thinking bubble. Yeah, interesting. White on white. It also looks sort of like, Mark will know this, the visitor center at Apple Park, which is that white table that is contoured. So the shape and the elevation changes and the buildings are there, but the thing is pretty much all in white. And then you have the AR application running on the iPad that you hold up and it shows you like the buildings, like in color, you can change the time of day, you can lift up the roof of the building, see what's inside. So this sort of also reminds me of the thing at Apple Park, whether that has anything so i think some of the one of the connections might be to a bigger focus on ar or something like that but it also is also kind of reminiscent of that design hmm. it's interesting perhaps the new version of os 10 will have a 3d white look to it maybe there's an could, easter egg in the be. wwdc app that will hold it up to your monitor and you get this ar effect <laughs> who knows yeah i think the other thing that people pointed out was it's uh i think tim you had kind of meant, uh, alluded to this it's a mix of ios and mac os controls like mm-hmm. the maximize minimize button in the bubbles for example are a 
Mac thing, but the slider looks like a I like a sliders everywhere. The switch I think looks like a iOS switch or something. Yeah, like that. the sort so of transition like, yeah, progress bar the, as well. I have to find the article. I think it was Project Marzipan was supposed to be the unification of the two or something. Really, it has uh, a but name. I was talking about with a colleague at work saying how uh, I mean technically we can already run iOS applications on the Mac using the simulator, and you can imagine a maybe a simple I don't know if it has to be simple, but a simple iPad application that does all the right things with size classes and auto layout constraints and resizability. You can imagine that just running on the Mac with zero to few changes. Like the person comes on stage and says, "Oh, Apple sent me a version of the SDK, and in just two hours I had it working just fine on the Mac." You know what I mean? Like right, you can imagine right, that yeah. happening. So I can see that happening. Yeah. The the biggest problem with that I think is multi-touch. How do you do mm. that on, on the Mac with a mouse with a trackpad? Yeah. Okay, sure. Multi-touch trackpad, sure. But a lot of people still use mice, and mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. would be kind of crazy. magic. Mouse has on the top surface has like a but if you're using a like a gaming mouse or a third party mouse, right? Yeah, yeah but stuff like that's pinching. different from yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. you want precision when you're well. For some things you want precision. For other things you don't need precision. But touch on the touch on glass, like on an iOS device, is like I need to touch exactly or close to exactly to this thing. Whereas the mouse is more like, well, I'll put the cursor over here. But the th- when you do a um, what's it called a pinch or a zoom gesture on your Magic Mouse, it sometimes generally doesn't really matter wh- exactly where the mouse is. I mean, it does, but it's not that precise. I think is the is the idea there. So I don't know. Multi-touch is tricky. But again, I'm not saying every app is going to make it over like automatically. iOS 12, all of your apps will run on the Mac. I think it will be like if you would like it to run on the Mac and it makes sense for you, you can have one code base and it'll just be like one more target and it'll be one more thing to do since we're all using storyboards and interface builder. It'll just be one more checkbox to turn on an interface builder to support um, the Mac. It could be like, could be like well, that Rosetta that period we went through too when we had um, classic and, and um, you know, native uh, uh, Mac OS apps at the same time. You know? Yeah. Sorry. This I feel like is going to be more opt-in. It's not going to be, again, automatic. Every iPad app you can run on your Mac. No, no, yeah, be, yeah. Hey, developers, it is very easy to do. It will run natively. There's no compatibility layer or anything. It will run on there as long as you do all the right things with size. It'll just be an extra freebie. So people who have iOS apps can say, you know, well, it's a document editor or something like that. Like, yeah, this will work on the Mac. I don't use multi-touch or pinching or anything. It's all just a cursor-based text editor or whatever. So I can see that happening. Yeah. Now, we were told a couple months ago that, that uh, iOS 12 was going to be mostly a, a bug fix yeah, and, yeah. and stability improvement uh, change, right? So, well, you know, maybe this would fit into that uh, because it's not really adding a whole lot of new features to iOS. It's it's more uh, just, a, a, you know, making them more portable. So I guess it's, it's not inconsistent with that. Mm. And there's there's nothing saying that uh, just because they told us that a couple months ago that it's actually true. Mm. So, so who knows? I think it still fits in if you, or if I think of it, right? Because I can imagine there's going to be a ton of people thinking about that. People listening right now might be thinking that as well. Like, how does that fit into it? And if, and if it is true that they're not going to be radically changing the UI in any sort of like refresh sort of way for iOS 12, and if that's been bumped uh, to next year, it could still make sense if we think of it as like, you know, UI kit took a lot of the ideas that were, you know, from app kit and, you know, solved a lot of those problems, created some new ones. You could imagine that they could have some refinements to UI kit to make the, you know, the problems even uh, less pronounced and then say, well, how can we bridge that for Mac OS in order for this to work together so that it would still stay true that iOS itself would stay relatively stable, but Mac OS would be the one sort of uh, jumping into the fray here. Right. You also have a second a second uh, link here, Jaime, on below the WWDC one. Yeah, um, I think there will probably still be the same sort of slew of conferences going on in that area around the same time. Uh, AltConf is the one we'll have linked here in the show notes. They are uh, coming 
June 4th through the 7th with two speaker tracks of community talks. And they have an open call for presentations, call for proposal, call for papers. However you believe CFP is intended to be pronounced. Uh, <laughs> you can sign up until the 28th of April, midnight Pacific. Yeah, and they've also got, be- you know, podcast stuff going on. We're, we're sadly not going to be there. Yeah, um, I don't get it. Why in any, like, it? official bash capacity. You guys didn't get an invite? That's too bad. <laughs> Yeah. I guess we get, maybe next year we'll host like uh, like a live session of uh, MTJC. We'll get everybody there. We'll throw things on Splash yeah. or Eventbrite or no, something. Nothing would stop us from doing our own. That's true. We could just sort of camp on the front we steps. Just and, set up outside. Yeah. I wonder if they'll have the podcast studios at WWDC again. Ooh, yeah. that's, a, that's a good question. Does anybody know of any that shows much. that were sort of born out of that environment? Like I know of, of uh, a few shows that it sounds like people sort of just did an episode there because they had the recording set up so they didn't have to you know schlep it around in their luggage or anything did is anybody aware of any podcasts that came think, out of i think I, I think one the guy i forgot his name now garrick i'm not sure what what I forgot the name of swift coders they they were already around yeah no before, but he did an episode they, they there, did like believe, special episodes right? so he, he did yeah but i mean that was already yeah, around yeah, yeah. it wasn't a new one that is still going on i don't i, I don't think i follow new podcasts well enough to know yeah i don't know hmm. yeah. and hopefully apple will update the wwdc website as they did last year with links to all of the other conferences going on nearby like i think um is it layers conf is it going to be on probably i don't know i haven't looked it up mm-hmm. uh coco conf next i believe they are. i think i saw a tweet from them that they are coming okay. back i don't think coco conf next door as far as i can tell because i think they've really settled on just swift by northwest mm-hmm. and i could have sworn there was another conference that went on last year around the same time too and its name is escaping me interesting yeah well there were yeah there were the two on uh, in the two hotels that were flanking the convention yeah exactly it was coco conf and alt conf and layers was down the street i don't remember any other ones okay but, yeah, maybe that was that the whole was, list uh, then so you were there last year as a, as a participant weren't you greg yeah i had uh, it was my first ticket i got right. last year so who's putting their name in for a ticket this year out of everybody on this uh on this recording hard to say i'd like to go well i will for sure just because oh, in the neighborhood, you know, if i yeah. get a ticket it's so it's right outside your house right yeah pretty much and i've tried a new strategy this year in the past i've always put my name in immediately and uh and this time i haven't put my name in yet i'm gonna wait till later <laughs> just to see if it makes any difference i don't lottery. think so <laughs> I don't think so. But you never know. No, I I totally think it's a a legit uh, lottery. Well, Tim, you're assuming your personal or your business, your company account, Mark. That's the real question. That's actually a a very good question. I've had uh, very little luck using my Smapsoft account uh, over the years, Uh, so I think I'm going to try my Skydio account this time, Hmm. just because. uh, Well, a couple of reasons. It's a you know, it's a uh, it's it's a different uh, address, and and uh, we're a little bit more high profile. I don't know, man. You should knock on some wood and stuff like that and maybe throw some salt over your shoulder and yeah because yeah. i can tell you that 2014 we were awarded between two companies that i was involved in we were awarded two tickets that made absolutely no sense one was a, an intern got selected and the other was uh, a business owner's partner got selected so i i, yeah. I do think it really is I a think lottery, it is a random so lottery. I don't think it matters that maybe the only thing that does matter is after or you know whatever they do four thousand tickets by lottery and they do a thousand tickets of selections and they'll say oh Skydio, I saw in the news. Let's make sure those folks get two tickets. And I don't think they'll tell you afterwards, like while they run the lottery, or maybe 
right now, as we speak, they're going through a list of who they want to put on their list of thousand or whatever. And so on Thursday night, people who win the lottery and people who are sort of pre-selected will get it, and they won't know sort of why they were selected. I'm, I, I've, I'm thinking that's how it works. Yeah, I, I do think, and I have no real hard evidence of this except uh, empirical uh, evidence, but uh, I do believe that people from outside of the local area here are favored. Really? Yeah, because you would think, and again, I don't have real strong evidence for this, but you would think that people from a lot of people from around here fly just because it's right, so easy right. to go, you know, travel. Right. You know, why not? And there's a lot of developers around right. here. So you would think that the number of people applying from this direct area is going to be much higher than from elsewhere because everywhere else you have to travel. And it's okay, so expensive. let's do some math for a minute because I was looking at these some stats on this the other day or yesterday, actually. There are 12 million mobile developers worldwide. There are 2.5 mm-hmm. million who do iOS or say to do iOS. There are 5,000 tickets. What are the odds of getting a ticket? 5,000 out of how many did you say there were? 2.5 million iOS Two developers. Million? Well, what percentage of those do you think are actually joining the lottery? Certainly not all. Let's say 33%. So that means about 800,000. like 800,000. <laughs> That's still a lot of people. So five, five out of 800 is one out of what? One out of 160? Less than 1%? Less than half? Almost less than half percent? I don't know where I've heard this, but I have, I had heard somewhere that they had about 50,000 people yeah, in the lottery. Yeah, I thought it was 100 and, and something. And there were about 5,000 tickets, so it was about a 1 in 10 chance. I don't know. I'm, I, I don't remember where I heard that, whether it's even true, but for some reason, I remember hearing that number. I think I think the time I won the lottery, they were guesstimating about 160,000 people would have applied, and that would be in 2014, so. Hmm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But Mark, you're saying there's more people here in the Bay Area, and therefore, if it were a perfect in a perfect lottery, the proportion of people who got tickets would be heavily skew people in the Bay Area. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Exactly. So you get just get the, you, you're at WWC, you run into 100 people at random, you would expect like, what I don't know, 50 of them to be from the Bay Area. I'm just making this up. But in reality, it's only 20 people from the Bay Area. Well, that's so here's another, here's another piece of evidence yep. too, okay. and that's that before the lotteries, I remember they used to ask, or they used to, they used to announce in the keynote how many people were first-time attendees, right? And um, the first, like one, a couple of years I was there, like one time it was like 15%, and another time it was like 25% were, were first-time attendees. After the lottery started, it's like 60% of first-time attendees. So I think that, the mm-hmm. it, again, that just, to me, that points that man did land on the moon and that it is a real lottery. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, the other thing I've heard is like, like Mark was saying, they, they again, at the 5,000 tickets, they say, all right, 1,000 we have to pre-allocate. Yeah. Uh, 1,000 are going to go to first-time people. 1,000 will go to people outside the United States. And then 500 will go to people outside the Bay Area. And then the rest is just like true, I'm making air quotes, true lottery. So yeah. maybe they divide up the lottery into several like sub-lotteries kind of thing. Yeah, perhaps. I can, I can see that Quite as possible. well. Greg, when yeah. you got your ticket last year, did you use mm-hmm. your uh, former employer's uh, account? I did, or? yeah. It was with the employer's account. Oh, okay. All right. All right. That's contrary to my theory then. I was, I was going to say that if you use your personal account, they might have thought you were still coming from Toronto. So, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I believe I had a U.S.-based developer account by then, as, as, as okay. I do now. All right. I don't um, think it matters. Like, Because yeah. two years ago, the corporation I worked for got zero selected. And then last year, five were selected. So I, again, it's, you know, and, and yet I know of other, other people from other corporations that are in the same business as mine that also got tickets a year that we didn't get any. So I don't think mm-hmm. it has anything to do with the company or the size. That said, though, I should say I should say that when we had the last time Apple was here doing the Apple TV event where they, they were training us on how to do apps for TV, I had an opportunity mm-hmm. to talk to uh, the head of Angelus, uh, John Galancy, who happens to be from Canada as well. And he was telling me there's always a handful of tickets that are around, you know, that between when the lottery ends and the beginning 
beginning of WWDC because for whatever reason, hardship or inability to travel or what have you, tickets do become available. So if you are really desperate or you or you, whatever, you can always contact the you know, Apple evangelist officer or a developer relations or whatever and see if there's a ticket available. You never know. Because, you know, they want to basically have yeah, a full you house, know right? a guy. Mm-hmm. I like So Tim is a maybe. Mark said yes. I have also put in my name already. Um, hi, man. What about you? The timing's not so great for me this year. Um, I think I'll go ahead and put my hat in the ring anyways because uh, I'll, and I'll do it from like a company account so I can pass it off to a team member if necessary. So I won't yeah, be using yeah. my, my personal account for this one, um, you know, because it'll give some flexibility there. But I also really like Mark's sort of strategy there because so let's assume, right? Let's assume it's it's a fair system, fair lottery, and that it's not like how the New York Knicks ended up with Patrick Ewing, right? Let's assume <laughs> let's assume the fix isn't in there <laughs> for the major uh, media market. Um, however, I've also been somebody who's jumped on right away, and as soon as it was available, I would go ahead and register, just like Mark, and I've been sadly not getting chosen. Maybe I should do it later on the assumption that even if the intent is to be a fair lottery system, there still might be problems with the code that actually runs the lottery system. So maybe putting myself into the latter half of the buckets would be a good idea. Get a higher number thing for a higher numbered flag. They did send out two confirmation emails. I don't know if you got, maybe Mark, you got hmm. this, but the first email said, thanks for your submission. We'll let you know by March 31st, 2017. So they sent last year's email again. And then like a couple hours later, they resent it or sorry, 20 minutes later, they resent it with the correct but date. just now? So there might be something in there. I mean, no, when I registered for it, because oh, uh, I registered right yeah. away. Uh, yes. Was it yesterday? Two days ago? Monday, I think. So when I registered, yeah, I got the email right away. And then 20 minutes later, they sent the correct email. So I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe my name is actually not in the lottery because I got entered for last year or something. So who knows? Hmm. Really? Oh, hmm. I didn't thought about that. You think like you automatically get a get a, a knock against you, Greg? I'm, I'm mostly kidding, but no. <laughs> <laughs> mostly kidding. <laughs> I well, definitely kidding. don't want but those people from San Jose. But if I don't get picked, then I'm totally on the, onto this theory, though. If I don't get picked. Definitely know they don't want those guys from San Jose coming, right? So, yeah, they're yeah, too they're close. Too, That's just too no convenient good. for them. They can yeah. watch it on TV. So, fingers crossed. Hopefully, we'll have a mini MTJC reunion of some kind. I'll still be yeah. there for hopefully at least a day or two for AltConf. I'm going to apply to speak for AltConf as well. So, if I get in, hopefully, I'll be there at least. I'll be there at least that day. Sure. Uh, I'll be That'd hanging be around cool. a little bit, I hope. Yeah, I mean, the fact that you're down in the hood kind of helps too, right? Like, I mean, it's not, I'm not, not directly in the hood, but you're close enough that you could take a day trip or whatever, right? So, and hang mm, out. Yeah. So, I'll do that at least once, at cool. least one day, even if I don't get a ticket. All righty. That's WWDC in a nutshell. Our next piece here is, uh, again, listening to the uh, CBC Spark TV uh, radio show, which is actually, I listen to it as a podcast now, but um, I can't seem to get my act together to listen to it when it's live. But uh, they had a really interesting story this week about um, they now have the, the people have, dis- have discovered the ability to actually change video in real time. Like they can change a green screen or change the background in a video without even having a green screen. And, and they're all using, it's all using, you know, uh, I guess it's, it's um, yeah, neural networking, you know, um, not Gormel, machine learning and all that kind of stuff uh, to do this kind of stuff. Interesting story on that. Um, the one line I, I got out of this was, this is the future we didn't anticipate. But uh, interesting that they can, you know, change, like have you read a speech just by sampling a few, you know, seconds of your uh, of your voice, you know? So, I mean, the fact that we've been doing a podcast for three years doesn't help us, um, that they can actually create fake, fake uh, audio from us. So, uh, interesting uh, story. I don't know if you guys have read the post that's there. Any comments? I haven't read the post, but uh, there's a lot of talk about this around here. Uh, and it, it's actually been, use of the of the technology has been banned on, on various 
networks. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's potentially pretty dangerous. It's called deep fake, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> deep fake. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can you can imagine, you know, I mean, and people have been messing around with with since you know the AR kit and and all that kind of stuff came out. You've been seeing all kinds of interesting, you know, uh, proof of concepts that people have been making. But uh, yeah, when somebody can manipulate you like a puppet, like like as you would have done with Photoshop back in the day, this is now doing with live video and live video on the fly, which is even scarier, right? So interesting use of technology. Yeah. There was a subreddit uh, for deep fake when I think there's a user too who created the subreddit and we were showing how to use this stuff. And then it relatively quickly got banned. I think it was within the first week or so, maybe a couple of weeks. Uh, it got banned because of sort of the, not the political aspect, but more of like the um, like unlicensed pornography Ethical. sort of thing where like, I don't know, you want Taylor Swift or you want, you know, Brad Pitt and you would take, you know, pornographic material and map their face onto that. And um, that's kind of a scary thing, right? If you're somebody who uh, feel like you might end up getting blackmailed for something like you didn't actually do or somebody might try destroying your career sort of thing. Yeah, it's definitely out of science fiction. It's the kind of stuff you would see in, you know, movies and stuff like that. Now it's you know, legit, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You'll have to have your know, technologies, computers, computers that can see whether or not uh, an image has been faked or not. And But, you know, it's technology and, and imaging has gotten so good that you can really hard, it's hard to tell what's real and what's not, right? Yeah. Well, I guess how do we survive after the advent of, photo- I mean, you could edit photos from a long time, even back in the film days, but once the first Photoshop edits started coming out, people were like, oh my God, we can't trust anything right. that we yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. And yet we still survive day to day now. So it's like, what is it that happened or not happened, but what is it that changed either, you know, people did silly Photoshop ed- edits in the early days and then people don't do it anymore or people still do it, but we're more skeptical. Like, what is it? How did we solve the problem with video- with photos? And I feel like it's not the exact same problem, but I feel like the same thing and the same solution could happen again with video. Like, it's sure, not like, yeah. oh my God, society collapsed because we can't trust anything yeah, in no, the images. No, 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 yeah. It's the same thing with video, but I just wonder what what is the solution going to be? Is this just going to be a non-issue? Like, if I went back in time when Photoshop was first invented and people came with fake images and people were like, oh my God, and I told them, ah, don't worry, nothing's going to happen. Is that the same case here? In five years, will this be like, oh yeah, those fake videos, yeah, well, you know, that well, doesn't really come up I, anymore. I'm not sure the technology was good enough to make a Photoshop uh, change, a Photoshop edit that was so perfectly mm-hmm. seamless really did, no. you could tell the difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, now, but now you certainly can better. with a photo. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 You do it every week. Yeah. Well, we're, we're going to have to use, uh, and I only say this half jokingly, we're going to have to use blockchain. So every <laughs> photo, every, every digital piece of digital media will have will have a, yeah, uh, a signature. Right. It's true. So you know whether it's real it's or not. It's true. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm only half kidding. So do you remember, I don't know if you guys remember the story, but there was a there was um, a guy who was charged with child pornography for posting pictures on the internet. And what he did was his with his face was he went into Photoshop and he applied a twirl filter to, to obfuscate his face. And yet mm. people found that they could take that same twirl filter and untwirl it and identify the guy. Uh. Right. So, I mean, like now, you know, there's adding noise and all kinds of other stuff that you can do to, to basically do that. But but that was an early an early Photoshop uh, um, fail. Right. Uh, that reminds me, I saw an article saying if you use the iOS Photos app to... Um, if you have like a sensitive document in your photo library and you use the markup thing to like black out mm-hmm. sensitive yeah. parts, it doesn't actually black it out. It's still like eighty. It's like ninety five percent opaque. Yeah, yeah. So just a, a warning out there. Don't. I know sometimes uh, like the government releases a PDF document and things are blacked out, but you can just like open the PDF editor and like remove the blackout really? parts, so you can oh, still read wow. the text underneath. Yeah, like some PDF editors, like they just got the preview app and they put a black box on top of it, but it's still underneath. They didn't actually, you know. Uh, so anyway. 
anyway, the iOS Photos app apparently does not completely obfuscate stuff. If you zoom in, you can still read what's yeah, underneath. So just the PSA for people who are, um, you know, if you work for the CIA and you're like so, but blacking out confidential material using the iOS Photos app, then uh, but if you, you post an image that. to, if you take it like a Photoshop, I'm oh, sorry, a Photos app photo, and you blur it or whatever, and you drag it over to it, your desktop as a JPEG, and then post that to Twitter per se, mm-hmm. like is mm-hmm. it still in that? Ca- you're saying it's not dark enough, is what you're saying, right? It's not dark enough. It's not you that, have to go over it's a number like of times. Layers, like really Photoshop dark. layers, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not a layering issue, like the PDF. It's just it's not 100% opaque. Is yeah. the Problem. But if you upload it to Twitter, Twitter will compress it to hell anyway, and it, you probably won't be able yeah. to read it. So that's yeah. probably safe. So, I'm just kidding. Well, no, not, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I from time to time will take a screenshot of something, and then you know some person's name or email address or whatever will be in there. So you want to blur that out or whatever, so it's not visible. Yeah. Um, I find the preview yeah. apps pretty good because we use that, you know, to annotate images. Like we use it on certain websites yes. and stuff like that. And you know, to make rectangle, rec- and it, it actually burns it into the image once you save it, right? So while it's still, in- you may need to do an export. I'm not 100 percent sure, but if you just mm-hmm. save it, I think it's possible it isn't flattened. Yeah, depending on the file format. But I would always do yeah. an export just to be extra sure. Export it as a JPEG or a PNG, right. again, and then you'll get a right. flattened image right. for sure. Be, be wary of any editor that has an, any kind of undo functionality. Right. Yes. If it yeah. Has that, then everything's being saved somewhere. Well, I mean, this is yeah. the thing about the photos, the photos app. Like when you go in to do photos retouching, they still save the master image in, in your photos library so you can always on your own machine you can always go back and undo the changes but whether That's or not right, yeah. when you once mm-hmm. you've exported it to the desktop or whatever if it's become a solid image or not not to ask uh, yeah you can grab those apps like um i think it's now pinpoint that will do the blur of your screenshots and then you can post, repost them i think there are apps uh it used to be i think marco armand's app what was it called bug bug reporter bug shot the thing maybe? that you was the name bug the shot maybe. To pinpoint. and then the lickability folks i believe bought it and now it's called pinpoint, pinpoint. so it takes screen captures in your photo library and it has you can draw like circles and put arrows on it like if you're sending a bug mm-hmm. report i think they have it as a library as well you can put it in your app but it also has a blurring it does like a pixelated kind of a blur and you can kind of control how big and where it is so a tool like that that's meant to do um obfuscation will be good it's just the article i'd read which i'll try to find and put in the notes was the photos markup feature in the photos yeah, app, Marco not, new bookshot done, is not to use that i'm just reading here cult of yeah. the mac back in the day 2013 yeah. oh i see yeah it's similar to what you can do in oh maybe not i'm gonna say it's similar to what you can do in in the uh, photo sorry not photos preview app in on i on mac yeah i don't think the preview app has like a blur no. thing, right you just have to put like a black I, yeah box i make a gray box or, or whatever with that one yeah yeah okay right too so another one we have here is uh intel fighting for their life was, we were talking about this a bit before the show started um something about uh what was it yeah because uh, qualcomm and broadcom qualcomm and broadcom arguing over things and what was the story behind this one Jaime? i mean broadcom was trying to acquire qualcomm and that was uh gonna be an, an issue for like regulatory concerns and, and market control sort of thing. They subsequently did not complete the transaction, so they're still distinct companies. Mm-hmm. So how did this like that was so what Broadcom, was... Broadcom is not the same Broadcom that, that has been around for, for 10 years or so, maybe mm-hmm. even longer than that. They were acquired by a company called Avago, which is which is basically a conglomerate that's been you know acquiring lots of different uh, semiconductor companies, and they happen to be based in Singapore. So uh, when they made they when they bought Broadcom a couple of years ago, they took the name Broadcom because it was a much more well-known name. So, so that the company is now called Broadcom. Oh, right, yeah. Only a piece of it is the original Broadcom. So they tried to acquire Qualcomm, which is which is of course uh, a, a very large semiconductor company that makes a lot of chips for, for wireless devices, especially cell phones. When they they recently tried to acquire Qualcomm, and uh, the U.S. government stopped it uh, for 
for whatever reason, uh, say, you know, citing national security concerns. Uh, so the gist of this article is basically that, well, Intel now is saying that they're thinking of buying Qualcomm. And, and the, the article is saying the reason is that Intel basically screwed up big time a few years back by not, uh, making a deal with, with Apple to, to, to make the chips for, for the iPhone. And, and instead Apple went and used an ARM processor uh, instead of an x86 and an Intel x86 processor. And, you know, and the rest is history. You know, we've seen how massively successful that's been. So now companies like TSMC or, or Samsung who, who manufacture the, the, the ARM processor for Apple have gotten enormous amounts of business while Intel has kind of been left out in the cold. Right. right. So, so, uh, the article, the, the, the point of this article is that, yeah, Intel is probably doing this to try to get back into the game and, and, um, and, and become relevant for mobile devices because they haven't been able to. Right. So far. Get in that market. Yeah. Yep. Interesting stuff remains to be seen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We have to talk about Gibson in the uh, after show mark. William Gibson. No, we'll talk about Gibson in, in the after show. Uh, so let's uh, move on. So okay. we have the, uh, it's the reason why Greg's on the show because Greg loves, loves himself a good survey and some, and some good statistics. <laughs> it's like, you know, Jaime likes barbecue and Greg likes surveys. Um, That's true. Numbers <laughs> and statistics. I love it. Yeah. So we're, it's that time of year again. Oh, page not found. This is my broken link, right? Um, uh, Tim. How do we get here from there? I'll put the, I'll put the right link. Do you have Thank the right you. link? I'll put it in. You had it in the, you put it in the, um, why is it wrong? Oh, because I need uh, the, oh, oh, sorry. There's an extra, extra little bit on there. Take out the work salary thing. Yeah. I'll do it again. See? It works. Yeah, it just changed. jumps to that one spot. Does okay. it? Well, it, it jumps to the wrong spot, so I don't like that. This one is We will have the correct link. link in the show notes, by the way. Yeah. So this is the Stack Overflow developer survey results. Stack Overflow does, or Stack Exchange, or whatever you want to call them, they do the annual survey, I think, in the month of January, where they ask developers right. who come to their site, hey, take this, whatever, 30-question survey, and they've released the results. Uh, all kinds of questions. You can click on the link in the show notes and scroll through it yourself. Uh, I'm sure the other folks here have some highlights. I wrote down some highlights, but there's too many. But uh, So I tried to whittle down the list of highlights. It's still a lot, but let me just go through it. Sure. Uh, highlights. Tech, again. And maybe it's Stack Overflow, it skews towards the web, but the sort of most popular things that people work on are all web, JavaScript, HTML, CSS, which is entirely possible because a lot of the world, it turns out, is on the web. But I guess for us as mobile folks, it was like, oh, we're not anywhere near the top. So it's still a web-focused developer world out there, apparently. Um, the other one that I like to look at is sort of what are, what are the trends coming up in the world and what's on the decline? So it's the most loved frameworks, the most dreaded frameworks, and the most wanted frameworks. And so the most loved the two, I think, of the top three are machine learning-based. It's TensorFlow and Torch hmm. are up there, which is interesting. So that seems to have captured the imagination of developers all around the world. Most dreaded is Cordova and Xamarin, two cross-platform wow. mobile development tools, which is interesting to me, uh, that the cross-platform thing is maybe dying down a little. I should go and look and see if React Native is anywhere on that on the list and where it is. But anyway, most loved is machine learning, dreaded is cross-platform mobile, and most wanted is kind of a, a mix but three of the top four are web stuff. React, Node.js, which I guess is not really web, but it's server-side JavaScript. So it's React, Node.js, and Angular are the most wanted. So it's an interesting mix of technologies there. People seem to like machine learning. They don't like cross-platform, and people love JavaScript as usual. Wait, it's where are you seeing the I'm, most wanted? I see Python, JavaScript, and Go was the top. Uh, interesting. Maybe Let me make sure I have page. my data correct. Most loved, dreaded, and wanted. Oh, most oh, loved, loved languages? is Rust, Kotlin, and Python. No? Oh. No, that's most loved 
loved languages. I'm looking at most loved, dreaded, and wanted frameworks, libraries, and tools is what I'm looking at. Yeah. Where is that from? Uh, you can scroll down a little bit. Anyway, yeah, the languages is... Um, there it is. I okay, sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. Trying to, I'm trying to be brief here. So languages, uh, who cares? But technologies is what I'm interested in. Um, so yeah, that's what people are interested in. And so again, I'm also looking at the lens of hiring. Maybe I'm not looking for a job, but if I were looking for a job, it's like what kind of things are coming up? What are people interested in? If I were wanted, if I wanted to hire, I'd be like, oh my God, we do so much machine learning that you could learn TensorFlow <laughs> and come work for us. You know, so that's the kind of thing I'm right. looking for as well. Uh, text editors, the great holy war of the internet. Visual mm. Studio Code has apparently taken over the world. It is like number one overall. And even amongst sysadmin and DevOps people, it is number two, which is amazing to me. So um, I've started using it because I'm doing some C and C++ now and I'm using Visual Studio Code. And it is great, but it seems like it's really jumped up the in mindshare and in use too. I don't remember it being as popular last year, but again, it seems to have taken over the world, which is nice because yeah, I like it. It's interesting that Android Studio is for mobile developers is 56%, Xcode is 35%, right? And then Visual. I think it's just the numbers thing. Like there are more Android developers than iOS. Well, developers, yeah, we were so just saying that. Like more in, people will in, check that box in that number I just gave. When we were talking about WWDC that 12 million developers or mm-hmm. mo- call themselves mobile developers, whether that's web or mm-hmm. what we don't know whether it's Android or Xcode, but only two yeah. and a half million claim to be iOS, right? So yeah, yeah. So yeah, excuse so that. Um, but yeah, editors. There you go. Visual Studio Code. You should use it. Be one of the cool kids. Um, AI. What? This was kind of an interesting question. What is your biggest concern when it comes to AI? And it was like, oh, is the singularity going to come? Too many things run by algorithms. Too many decisions being made that are sort of ununderstandable by human minds because it's like the computer decides. Um, so it's kind of interesting that uh, pretty much everybody and I'm like data scientists, machine learning experts, and people in academia, people who I assume like know what they're talking about, their biggest concern has to do with fairness. Are the algorithms because they're still pro- in some way programmed by humans and you know at some point are the algorithms going to be fair because we're relying on them so much and that's their biggest concern whereas on the other end of the spectrum designers and mobile developers are worried about the singularity developing so if you're worried about the singularity and then i would say probably don't worry about it not to knock designers but if it's like designers and mobile developers worrying about it it's probably not a real concern whereas the people who sort of know something maybe to be blunt data scientists machine learning experts themselves and people in academia they're not worried about the singularity apparently they're more concerned with fairness so it's kind of mm. an interesting um interesting taste there so there's that everyone's favorite thing salary they had the usual graph as they did last year where they graph um salary on one axis number of years of experience on the other axis and they put points of like what language people learn so if you were optimizing for you know bang for your buck kind of thing then apparently you should learn hack i assume this is just a whole bunch of overpaid facebook engineers working on their php web stack but hack has like the best ratio for amount of pay to number of years of experience so there's something and then poor old object pascal is way on the other end where people have a lot of experience but they don't get paid a lot um and then there's sort of a trend line which is up into the right generally which is like the more years of experience you have the more you get paid which kind of makes sense and objective c and swift are sort of on the line so we are assuming most of our audiences objective c and swift people work sort of in the average zone where your pay increases as you um, move on in years of experience so there's that and then the final point that i'll bring up is what people use to assess jobs so again i'm thinking about in terms of hiring sort of what kind of things should you emphasize in your job poster and interviews and things like that and uh they split up by gender so for men the number one thing was compensation i should also point out that of the respondents 93 percent were men so it's still heavily Mm -hmm. heavily skewed towards men so number one thing for men is compensation and then there's um i forgot some other things i didn't write them down number four which i'll i'll say why i'm saying number four number four is office environment and company culture whereas for everyone except for men gender minorities that was women 
transgender and uh, oh man, I've forgotten the other one, but for basically gender minorities, it was pretty much flipped where office environment and culture was number one. And then compensation was more like number three, and number four. Uh, and then number two and three were constant among both of them. So it was sort of an interesting thing about, again, what kind of things you should be highlighting if you have a job posting to appeal to everybody. Hmm. You should pay people a lot <laughs> and you should say that, or you should not that you should just say, but you should have a good office environment and company culture. And then you will be invincible when it comes to hiring, apparently. Sure. Cool. Those are my highlights. That was a lot. And I have more notes, but I don't want to go into any more. You can, of course, check it out yourself. But then anything jump out at uh, you guys if you while you scrolled through this? I was confused by the valuing compensation and benefits by geography. So I get why health insurance is at 11.5% in the United States. I cannot comprehend why the United Kingdom and Canada, two places that I believe have universal health care, why would you even care about health insurance? Shouldn't that be way down to the bottom? It's not necessarily the case in Canada, though, because some stuff isn't, like dental, yeah, for dental example, is not covered. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, like cool. One. So they, they put it under that then. Okay, so that makes more... UK health insurance is 2.5%, which seems pretty... Yeah, Canada is still like n- almost 10%, whereas the US is 11 and Yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah, it, it, it's like as if, you know, like there was no difference between the countries in terms of how they deal with health insurance. So uh, maybe dental is like an enormous problem in Canada or something. I don't think it is. I think it's just... I don't know. All that maple syrup is all sugar. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely like if you work at a big company, then yeah. What's that? Tim Hortons coffee. Yeah, donuts and Tim Hortons coffee. You get the double double. That's a lot of sugar. I think it's like if you if you get sick, then for example, the government covers like a semi private room. I think if you have a baby, like they'll cover a semi private room, but then your work insurance on top of it will pay for like a private room. I think a lot of people still say health insurance is important, but it's more like extras. It's not like you again. You're like, oh, I get hit by a car and I'm going to go bankrupt. It's not quite like that. It's more like the extras. Like well, extras also cover therapies, like you know. If you have to go to physical physical therapy or occupational therapy or, yeah. or traditional, you know, head shrinkers and that kind of stuff, um, massage yeah. therapy, that kind of stuff is not necessarily covered by OHIP, but you can get that through your health insurance at work. Yeah. So maybe saying health insurance, using the same word for the U.S. and Canada is like technically true, but it's not, I don't think they mean, they don't mean the same thing right. as the problem. Yeah. Now I wonder about Germany because health insurance is even larger of a concern than it is in the United States. Yeah. I was just noticing that too. Which maybe they're just more conservative. Like I don't know what the healthcare sort of system is like in Germany, but mm. it was an interesting difference there, where it seems like, let's see, look at the numbers. So the United Kingdom seems to care the most about salary and or bonuses. Mm. Well, you know, with Brexit, they have to worry about that kind of thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Please don't, please don't email us. But if you're from Germany, please let us know why health insurance is such a big deal. Uh, I also found the, I don't know where it is in this list, somewhere on the differences between like men and women, where it was like childcare sort of stuff was like hardly even on the list for men. And it was number one or number two for women, which would notionally make a lot of sense, but also feels like maybe that's why it's not necessarily sort of front and center as a company perk, as opposed to uh, company provided meals or snacks sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at that and the differences in assessing jobs. I don't see that there. So it must be somewhere else. Yeah. I'm not sure where in the list I yeah. saw it, but it was a, it okay. was one I found interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's all good. I'm actually quite surprised by uh, the, the salary by technology that bottom three are from the 
bottom. Python, JavaScript, and C all tied at, uh, well, the number doesn't matter, but they're all tied for the lowest paying of all technologies. Swift is kind of in the middle. Objective-C is a little bit higher. And the top ones are Erlang and Scala. I guess, I guess it's just a, it's, it's just a supply demand thing. There's, there's not as many people doing those kind of more obscure languages. So yeah. I was going to say, there's so many people doing JavaScript that it kind of doesn't surprise me. Yeah. It's at the bottom. Love like you got a wider range of people, all those junior people being underpaid, probably bringing down the average that's, too. That's true. That's true. Yeah. There isn't much of a spread though from like Python at the bottom. I guess this doesn't include like every language in the universe, but Python at the bottom is at 98,000 and Erlang at the top is 115. That, so it's not that's the true, yeah. greatest spread either. It's like 15%. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Go, Golang is one of those languages that's on my list of uh, got to try at some point. And it's, uh, mm. it's not top, it's not like top three in just about anything, but it does seem to be top five-ish on a lot of these lists for pay or uh, most most wanted or most loved. I can't remember which. Hmm. Uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah, number five, most loved, and number three, most wanted. The the dreaded list is interesting. So the top five are Visual Basic 6, COBOL, CoffeeScript, <laughs> VB.net, VBA. I don't know why people don't like MATLAB. Number six there. Hmm. Maybe there's something better. MATLAB does a lot of cool stuff. MATLAB the open source one or is that the paid one? That's the paid one. That's the paid. What's the open source version of that? Uh, is that Octave? Uh, yeah. Octave is is an open source. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a it's a version of MATLAB, but it's but it's yeah, a very it's, similar it, type of tool. It does the yes, same okay. type of thing. Yeah, and yeah. Okay. Interestingly, three out of the five most dreaded languages are Microsoft products, <laughs> and they're they're like VB derivatives, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's not saying uh, that's not too great. CoffeeScript is is number three, which is kind of interesting. That's amazing. The rise and fall of CoffeeScript. That could be a movie because I thought that was going to take over the web JavaScript stack for a while. Yeah, I don't yeah. know when that was, but uh, I think people have moved to like TypeScript and less opinionated things. Well, look at the um, look at the list on yeah. the loved list, right? So look at the top 10 and you'll see TypeScript, you'll see C-sharp and F-sharp. So it's like Microsoft technologies, but the old and busted ones are on the dreaded list. And the mm. I, I'm not even going to call C-sharp new, but it's certainly newer, <laughs> the Visual Basic. Uh, that sort of mm. family of things is more loved. Mm-hmm. So Microsoft is sort of very polarizing. They make really good stuff and they make... Really, no, that's not fair to say it's bad stuff. It's just old, I guess. Like Visual Basic 6, that's from like 20 years ago or something. That's amazing that that's still even a contender at all that people are still using it enough that they dread it like yeah. that's amazing to me and cobol is like 50 years ago mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. still in use though right yeah doesn't pay very well though according to this it will it will eventually when all you, would think, you would think it does but yeah I, I i thought it was the opposite i thought cobol pays extremely well because so few people know how to do it that's and true, yeah. there's a lot of companies like banks with a lot of cash and, yep. and a and a desperate need for people to maintain their system their old system. also satellites like- it's true but i think because you have so much experience people who do it are i guess so old that it is sort of again below the line in terms of the salary to average number of years of experience mm. so I, I guess it still pays i don't know from the chart it doesn't look like it's great but it's definitely like below average mm-hmm. oh, yeah. sorry mm-hmm. average meaning the salary to experience level yeah mm-hmm. anybody take a look at the most dreaded platforms continuing on the theme here so sharepoint did not surprise me that it was number one <laughs> i never hear anybody say wow this is great other than well it paid for my kids braces you know that's sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Drupal, Salesforce, mainframe, just any mainframe, and Windows Phone is number five yeah. on this list. Who's still doing Windows Phone? Like, that's that's an unfortunate life to live. It's like, oh, every day I wake up so that I can help maintain, you know, some Windows Phone deployment somewhere, probably in like a corporate environment. I know it's not going and anywhere. And number six is WordPress. That's amazing. I, people don't like WordPress. Mm. Maybe working on WordPress is bad. All those updates that you have to do. I don't know. 
know, all those plugins you have to maintain. Is that what it is? I don't do WordPress anymore, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting stuff. Well, let's move on. Disappointed there's no survey on spaces versus tabs. <laughs> <laughs> I think they have done that in the past. Remember people who use spaces get paid more? Oh, you know it's oh, replaced right. spaces versus tabs? Structs versus classes. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't you talk well, about, a, Tim. That's kind, of a, that's kind of a swift specific yeah, I know, thing, I know, though. I know. Everything should be a struct. Everything should be a protocol. It should all be functional. Yep. Uh, all lets. D- yep. No yes. No uh, yep. And five no space inheritance. tabs, of course, with the code. So, so you're saying don't use UI kit at all? <laughs> no, you got to write your own UI framework that yeah. has the benefit okay. of having smoother animations and stuff because you're not doing that's things true. on the main thread. That's, and, and, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you have to write it all in, uh, in metal. And it works better in, in a team <laughs> right. environment because you're not you know colliding up against each other if somebody changes a storyboard while you're working in it. And, yeah. That works. It'd be one big, lovely vertex shader to do everything, all yeah, the yeah, rendering. I'd, right. I'd, I'd yeah. do that. Yeah. So, hey, quickly, Mark, what do you got here for cryptocurrency besides... Uh... Well, this was kind of an interesting one uh, that just happened within a couple of days ago of, of when we are recording this. So uh, there was an app on the Mac App Store called Calendar 2 mm-hmm. that got pulled by Apple uh, because it was offering a feature, I guess, uh, where instead of you know, putting ads in their app or, or requiring you to pay for the app, you could actually use the app for free in return for allowing the developer to use part of your CPU in the background to mine a cryptocurrency. Right, right. So so the idea is that you opt in and you know you get to use the app for free and while you're using the app the developer is doing some mining in the background and and if they find coins then then the developer gets paid that way. Uh the the problem in this particular case was that apparently there were a lot of bugs in their code so it was doing mining in the background whether you opted in or not oh, right. and even when you weren't running the app. So it was it was using a lot of user CPUs and 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 they hadn't actually opted in and it was just all around a problem. So so Apple ended up pulling the app from the App Store. Uh, and the reason given was that there is a clause in the in the submission guidelines saying that uh, the app can't use excessive battery, uh, etc. Mm. So so it was technically breaking the the rules. This is the Mac App Store, by the way, not right, the iOS right. App Store. Uh, but but I, I actually think it's kind of a shame because I because I think if they had done it right yeah. and and were very transparent about it, then it's actually a very interesting business model. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't I don't see it as any worse than than putting ads in right or or require you know basically you're you're letting the user uh, use some of their cycles uh, to support the developer. Right. I don't see anything wrong with that. It's it's it is a shame because I think now this has put this has given a bad name to the idea and Apple will be pretty reluctant to let any more apps that do that into the App Store because they got some bad press out of it. There was there was the usual controversy of you know you know why did it take so long for Apple to pull it? Hmm. Should Apple pull it? And there's a lot of arguing back and forth and whether it was the right thing to do. And there's a lot of people who uh, are angry at the developers for trying to quote scam the users, even though it's it's not clear whether whether it was really. I have no way of knowing whether it was that really bugs in the in the app or or whether it was intentional. Uh, you know, we'll give the developer the benefit of the doubt that it, w- it was a bug and they weren't trying to scam the users. Uh, but in any case, it, it, there was some bad press over this, and and unfortunately, it's it's. 
it's uh it's given this this idea which which could have been a good business practice uh, a bad name probably prevents it from ever happening again what are your thoughts on it I mean, do you think this is a good thing this is a bad thing well it's interesting that you know mining is going to be a sort of a new way for people to make money it's it's i don't see any different than like you said running ads on the on the um you know for exposure that kind of stuff so um yeah uh, i mean however like like you said i think that they the, the fail was that they they didn't um really control whether or not it was doing the mining you know what you know or not right i suppose and it is quite plain in the screenshot that you've got there that uh, it says you know if, if you want to use it for free it's you're going to allow it to do some uh, some mining for you right 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 yeah i mean they they made the mistake of probably not being transparent enough and not being very clear that this is what was happening and if there was a bug that that caused it to happen well you didn't opt in or didn't know it was happening right. then that's just bad that's just that's just the problem for sure yeah i'm not uh, i'm not philosophically opposed to it because when i and when i first thought about it, i was like oh like i had an immediate visceral reaction probably because it's been pretty common for people to shove that sort of stuff uh, unwanted onto like web pages and stuff right like you see tons of news stories yep. about like hey this web page or this ad network was mining cryptocurrency on your you know on your browser sort of thing and then well that's that's terrible so i think it, it had the bad press and these folks like <laughs> messed it up even worse with their their mistake there right you, you should have used swift because then you would have had to guard that optional and you wouldn't have had this problem <laughs> um but that aside when i started thinking about it again i said oh wait a minute how is this really any different than like seti at home or folding at home where you're giving up some amount of your cpu cycles because they they chose uh, minero minero which is a minero a, yeah. a cpu based system rather than the gpu wasn't and these modern cpus are largely sitting there you know twiddling their thumbs waiting for stuff to occasionally come by so it it, it, it does seem to me as the sort of thing where it is okay as a trade-off um if people knowingly choose and say yes like i know that i'm um, you know going to have extra cpu cycles being used in the background that sort of thing eh, i'll use this mostly for browsing and typing up stuff in you know notepad and or text edit i guess and uh, looking at photos of the kids or something i don't have really anything hmm. too pressing on here i'm not trying to you know uh, do audio for a podcast or 3d rendering or video production sort of things yeah sure why not that, that seems like an okay thing to me once i got past the immediate visceral no 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 reaction yeah and i, and I think a lot of people had that same initial reaction just because of the, the bad press that that uh, a lot of cryptocurrencies have gotten and a lot of the scammers uh, that you mentioned uh but i but i i tend to think it's a little unfair uh and it's it's really as i said it's a shame that these guys screwed it up so badly that they ruined it for everyone to stay up class because of it yeah mm -hmm. yeah i wonder what are the ethics of um if i was running this application i picked the cryptocurrency mining and then i was able to throttle the cpu for that one application is that like the equivalent of an ad blocker because they would never be able to you know find a proper hash or whatever to get a coin out of it or is that okay is that not okay um well it's a good question know. where does question. that go into uh, now you would you would wonder if if throttling the cpu would would uh, limit the user's ability to use the actual software at the same time I'm, I'm imagining like they spin off a separate thread to do the mining and if i found that thread and i throttled it mm -hmm. then is that okay is that not okay am i like like because in theory what if i let the miner go right. and it never finds anything it doesn't mine anything successful right well you know this is this is the same moral argument as the whole uh freeware or, or really the shareware concept right so the so a developer puts something out uh this is how it used to work i'm not sure how much of this is still around these days but the developer would put something out and say hey you know you can use it and if you like it please you know pay a certain amount a tip for it. Yeah. and yeah and no one 
one is forcing you to to, to pay. Uh, but the idea is that if you're if you're appreciating the software and you'd like to see more development from that developer or, or improvements in the software, then yeah, you'll kick some in to to keep them afloat. And no one's going to stop you from using that software for for free forever if you choose to. So it's kind of like that. It's kind of the honor system. If you if you want to go to the trouble to throttle it back, well, you know, no one can stop you. Uh, but uh, but if you're really using enjoying the software and you want to see it improved, it's you're not doing yourself any favors by by doing that. Hmm. I haven't quite come to the same place that Jaime is. I still find it like, oh, this is just I don't I don't like it. I don't know why. I still have not uh, come to terms with it. I think yeah. maybe I'll get there. But again, you you have the as long as you have the choice and you know what's happening, you have the choice to do it or not. Mm-hmm. Then what's wrong with it? That's true. I guess I would tell people just mine it yourself and you'll make more money and then you can just pay the dollar ninety nine or whatever to unlock the damn software is what fair I would tell people. Yeah, fair but, enough. Yeah. Sure. But some people don't want to do it. They don't want to set up a they're like, oh, I'll just click this button. It's a lot easier. I mean, yeah. you can set it with a lot of things, right? Why yeah. don't people just do X? It's so much easier. Right. Um, but that's not how human beings work. So, yeah. Uh, and just to clarify, so it was confirmed it was pulled by Apple. I think that was still a question mark last I heard. Well, as but, of this latest article that I posted in the show notes, it, yeah. it was, the developer said it was pulled by Apple. Okay, got it. I think there yeah. was some question again yeah, when I heard the story yeah. on Monday. They were like, did yeah. Apple pull it? Did the developer who did? Okay, so yep. it was confirmed it was Apple. Yep. And how long was it out there cool. for? A couple of days. Oh, only. a couple of days wasn't like very long. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But, it, you know, but it was it was reasonably lucrative, actually. They said that the developer made a couple thousand bucks in three days. Really? Now, oh. obviously, yeah. I mean, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get rich off of that or and you're not going to stay in a, a large business with that. But for an indie developer, that's a lot of money. That's yeah, not that's good, good money. terrible. Yeah, it's not Trump change. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. What will they think of next? Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I guess we're at the picks portion here, and it looks like Jaime's got a pick. Yes. As long as we're on the topic of things that drain your battery, let's mm-hmm. talk about Pokemon Go for a second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mostly as a reason to get people to think about, oh, remember how Pokemon Go had the whole, you know, maps-based thing and right. uh, augmented reality sort of thing? Um, took a lot of work from Niantic and, and Google and, and company to, to get that sort of working. Now, Google is apparently making a Google Maps API for gaming that handles the um, sort of the, the visual aspects of that in terms of a Unity SDK uh, or in addition to the Unity SDK, I assume. Right. And also a uh, a Google Maps API that will, I guess, handle like the location-based sort of information, uh, probably like points of interest sort of thing of like, you know, Pokemon Go had the uh, Pokestops and Ingress has something, portals or something. And you can imagine you can have other games and they show this little video where you have all sorts of different games being layered on top of the real world like this. And I know that um, Jurassic Park, I think, yeah, uh, Jurassic World Alive and The Walking Dead, our world and Ghostbusters world are all going to be doing these sorts of things. And presumably are powered by this sort of technology. So I thought that would be interesting for folks out there who are interested in doing this sort of thing, whether it's uh, gaming or location-based services or some combination thereof. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Check this out. It'll be in the show notes. Cool. Well, what do you think of next? Craig, do you have a stealth pick for us? I do have oh, a stealth right. pick, yeah. Sort of a, just a quick one based on what we talked about with WWDC. Mm-hmm. It's the WWDC scholarships page. So just to remind our young and student listeners that uh, the application for the scholarship for WWDC is going to open, I think, in a couple of weeks, March 26th, or maybe a week after this episode comes out. But it's not just sort of quote-unquote normal students. If you are at like a boot camp kind of thing, or you have like an after-school thing, or you are in, they mentioned code.org, girls in tech. So I think it's not just... Um, 
like a like traditional yeah, university yeah, yeah. or college, but there's it's a little bit wider than that, so you can you can check out the requirements on the page. But um, you know, you make a Swift playground. The requirements are all here. And uh, this year, I think the difference is you get a WWC ticket, you get lodging for the conference, and you get a one-year membership in the Apple wow. Developer Program hmm. free of charge. I think that one is new. The other two, I think they had last year, but those are a little bit different. So if you are uh, some kind of a student under these requirements, under these uh, eligibility requirements, I mean, then uh, you should. So you something. have to have been a developer as of like now. When the when the lottery net opened, or I don't think there's that kind of a requirement. You just have to be a student or some kind of a student as of some date. I guess the application date or something. You can look at the full yeah. rules here. Uh, but I don't think you need a developer account already because you just make a playground, which you could do on the iPad playground for, or sorry, Swift playground on the yeah, iPad. So submissions open Monday, March 26th, and their deadline is April 1st. So you have till mm-hmm. not that long, really. Uh, yeah. So I mean, they have what the submissions open that day, but they tell you what kind of a you know what you should be submitting so you can start working on it now right. presumably mm-hmm. and uh, they'll judge your technical accomplishment the creativity of your idea and the content of written responses so there are a few questions that you have to provide short answers for uh, so you can start working on all of that Ido Pichikino alright mm-hmm. there's okay. one requirement is kind of interesting here so I say this because I'm the kind of person who's like hmm what are the loopholes here and how can I break this <laughs> 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 which I guess makes me you know more effective as a developer so I will read you this request Your submission must be a Swift playground created by you as an individual or a template modified by you as an individual. Really? Well, if you're an enterprising sort of person out there and you really desperately wanted to be on every iOS-related newsletter, guess what? If you were to make something interesting and put it up on GitHub as a repo under your name and then point people towards it, I guarantee you you'll get a whole bunch of people who will be very interested in cloning your repository. Yeah. I know of a young developer who had that happen. Where he posted a, a framework or something that, and then a bunch of other people used, and they got into the scholarship program, and he didn't. Mm, bummer. Yeah, he was not very excited about that. Cool stuff. Interesting stuff. Tim, I don't do have, you have a pick? pick this week. No. Oh, I'm sorry. You can cut that out. I thought you were implying no, <laughs> to no, mind no, that no. you had a pick too. Sorry, no. no pick for me. So, Tim, I'll, um, I'll loan you a pick. Let me, let me put it here. Oh, you got a loaner pick? Is this the Tau pick? <laughs> is Tim going to be able to sell it? You're just going to put a random pick in there? Tau? My oh, pick is no, not, not the Pi Day versus Tau Day oh, teach yeah. controversy moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's, happy half Tau Day. What is Tau Day? Mm, tau over two. Tau over two. And what does that work out yeah. to? Well, so instead of Pi, mm-hmm. there's a movement to replace Pi uh, with a different constant called Tau, which is actually two Pi. Mm-hmm. And and the reason being that it, it just makes all the math work out a lot easier in many ways uh, because there's a very intuitive feel for what tau is, uh, where 2pi where is the number of radians to go around a circle, mm-hmm. uh, which which is confusing because you know 1pi is halfway around and pi over 2 is a quarter of the way around. Well, if you use tau, which is 2pi instead of pi, mm-hmm. then, then one tau is is one turn around the circle. Right. So you go oh, one full turn around circle, that's a tau. And so tau over two is a half turn. Tau over four is a quarter turn. So it makes a lot of the math simple to learn when you're when you're first starting out. Uh, it's kind of a, you know, tongue-in-cheek movement. It's I don't think it's super, super serious, but but there is a whole tau manifesto. Out there. That's true. And then they have uh, 628. Or I was going to say, you saw it tau day. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Reading from the... It's twice as good, as they say. <laughs> yeah. Here's the, but here's the thing. Pi is a, as a number is bad. And there 
therefore, so the entire misguided day dedicated to its celebration. It's a lot taken, and I, too, was once like you. I taught the virtues of pie for many years, going back to pie day parties in the middle school. But instead of pie, we should celebrate tau, an alternative circle constant referred to by the Greek letter T, tau, I guess, that equals 2 pi, yeah. or approximately 628. So, Tim, you still have three months to update the app. That's right. true. I, well, I can add tau. I can add tau. Join the, join the rebel movement, I could I update it for uh, for iPhone 10 and and change it to Tau Day app, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could do that totally. See, there's a branding problem here it. because you can eat pie on Pie Day. What do you do on Tau Day? Eat Tau turkey. I'm sure they solved the problem. Surely they have a food of Tau day, food? right? Otherwise, it's what what kind of a holiday? <laughs> it's is more it? convoluted. This is like Oreo versus Hydrox. I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Tim, do you have a pick? Make Tau support in an app. Thanks, Greg. As a matter of fact, you great purchase by two. <laughs> it's Tau Day. <laughs> had enough of this Pi Day stuff. Nonsense. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. It's funny what you guys were saying about Pi Day not being featured because I didn't update it for iPhone 10, but that totally makes sense now. Oh, well. Not that you would have been featured. No, that's true. I'm not, I'm not nearly as prolific yeah. as Mr. Yeah. Thompson is over there. So Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. On the App Store. Yep. I'm just waiting. i waiting for PCalc for the HomePod to come out. <laughs> and we need PCalc for the AirPods as well, right? Exactly. Or they call AirPods, I forget. AirPod, AirPods. AirPods. <laughs> I know. Because AirBuds Air makes dog, so much sense. It makes so much sense. This is another branding problem. AirBuds for earbuds makes so much sense. But unfortunately, it is the, I think, Disney-owned property with the Golden tr- Retriever or Lab. Yeah. It's yeah, a dog. Yep. All good. All good until somebody loses an eye. Then it's a sport. All right. Um, so, hey, Hame, if people want to get a hold of you on their interwebs, where would they look? I'm on Twitter. as at Dev with a hair. All right. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you, a cursive letter or surface mail. Mark at smapsoft.com. Okay. Are you still hiring over there at Skydio? We are. are. Okay. Remy, simple. Mm-hmm. We are still hiring for uh, iOS. Uh, people have submitted, so thank you for applying. And a few folks reached out to me, so hopefully I've answered your questions and, and hopefully you apply. Um, we are, of course, hiring for other jobs as well, and uh, you can find that uh, probably linked through the uh, link we had in the show notes before. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, since you're listening to this show, you're probably really interested in the iOS engineer position. So again, do, please Do they apply. have the, the, uh, the, the anchor, t- you know, the URL uh, code you know, Lopez or something I need to put in there? No. Uh, it, it does include, you know, in full disclosure, it does include my uh, tracking code so oh, people will nice. know that it's through cool. me. This is something I said in Greg's absence. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, Greg, yeah. Like, how We're does anybody to Greg know in a that it's yeah, yeah, topology yeah. where <laughs> jobs this should at least be like, you know, question mark person equals Greg or something mm-hmm, so that we can track mm-hmm. that through like Nginx or something. That's true. That's true. So, hey, Greg, if people want to get a hold of you, where do they look? You should uh, find me in person at WWDC or Alt for some other conference cool. out there. Or if you're a recluse at home, you can go on Twitter as well. I'm hey, are you going to RWDevCon in a couple weeks? Well, I am going. Too. Only 20, uh, 18 days to RWDevCon or something. It says in, it says true, in the channel, yeah. right? Well, Greg and I will be in, Tammy in, too, in so we'll uh, have a, Alex, Alexandria, Virginia, right? Is that where it is? That's right. May or April 5th and 6th or something. So if you are also yeah, there, fourth, then yes, fifth, please six, come yeah. say hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We will be there. Bell's on. Um, yeah, my name is Tim Mitra. Oh, wait. Sorry, forgot to ask. Greg, are you guys still hiring over there at Topology Eyewear? We are are still hiring a number of roles, but of course, as Jaime said, if you're listening to this, you're probably interested in the iOS role. But we are not looking to hire remote at the moment. I think if we get desperate, maybe we will, but we're looking to have someone on site because we do have a lot of, you know, hardware stuff and uh, we just like having people co-located. Uh, that's just how we work better. So yeah, uh, if you're already in the area, that'd be good, but I think they'll also relocate people if you're interested. Cool. So yes, we are All still right. hiring. Okay. My name is Dimitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine, and we will talk to you guys. Hopefully next week. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.
You've just experienced the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you'll find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show, picks for the episode, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website and write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. Thanks again for listening. That's all there is to it. End scene. I don't know if you all saw in the chat, in the Zoom chat, oh, I no. put this know your meme thing. So when we were talking about Photoshopping stuff and how the world dealt with that. Does mm-hmm. anybody remember this one? The uh, This looks shopped. I can tell from some of the pixels and from seeing quite a few shops in my time. What? You remember that? In like the late 90s, anywhere. probably? Maybe. Where, where did you post this? I, mean, I only see Pi Day versus No, in, 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 the, in the Zoom cartoon. chat. There's a Zoom chat window. Oh, in the Zoom chat. No, I don't look there. Somehow okay. I lost my Zoom chat. Where'd it go? I st- my hand is still raised. But, yeah. Do you have something to say? There, Greg? Um, should be there. <laughs> should always. be there on the the toolbar. The little chat. Yeah, I see it. So, how does I this look it. photoshopped? No, it's more like the the guy, the individual who's you know sitting at the desk and, and pointing out whatever is on that. Uh, oh, it almost looks like a green screen. It's such it. an old computer that he's <laughs> <Yeah>. at. <laughs> Explain uh, to the other yeah. person how the, whatever it is they're looking at looks like it's a Photoshop. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. The first time I ever saw an animated GIF was a porn piece, a porn image on a green screen computer as I was walking through an office somebody said hey look at this isn't this funny i'm like yeah sure there's like did it loudly say hey i'm watching porn over here yeah, back in the day exactly back you know yeah you know what that was right no was that another the, uh another um oh that was another thing that was going around probably 15 years oh, yeah? ago where where someone would send you an email yeah. and it was just uh some kind of a you know an audio clip and you'd play it and it would be this really this guy really loudly screaming hey i'm watching porn oh, over right, here okay, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah interesting back in the day uh, early day trolling, it was the best. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had an app once that was called, it was a joke app called Sexplosion. And when you launched it, it would come up, it would launch, like, remember the, uh, when your your Mac crashed, it would say you'd have the restart thing with the bomb on it, and you'd have the, you'd have the choice, like, to hit restart. And the thing was, every time you moved your mouse over to hit the button, the button would move. Yeah, I remember that yeah. one. Yeah. He was in Dr. Bob Levitis' uh, book, his joke book. So I think there's a bug in Zoom, so somehow my chat window is gone, mm-hmm. but I'm still on the call. Oh, I wonder what happens if I click on this. Oh, don't hit Tell the Bear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I won't do that. Uh, well, you, you saw it was uh, purchased by McAfee, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that was, I was trying to remember who, they, who bought them, but McAfee's not owned by the guy in um, Tennessee anymore, is it? Mr. No, McAfee. it hasn't no. been. I think it's Semantic now, isn't it? Yeah. No, no. And I he's not been else. involved since like the late 90s, I think. You know, I saw that was that it had been bought by, by, by them, but it was something about McAfee not... Oh, wait, is it McAfee? How is that name pronounced oh probably mcafee hmm. does say mcafee on the wikipedia pronunciation guy
side. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So, uh, McAfee acquires Canadian VPN outfit Tunnel Bear. But there was some other thing about McAfee. Because they were bought by somebody or they were taken over by somebody. There was a deal with Intel, according to Wikipedia. Um, it got purchased by Intel. And then they did a joint venture with another company. They kept the name, yeah. obviously. But it's it was part of uh, Intel Security Group, apparently. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. We all use Macs. We don't have viruses, right? That's true. <laughs> we do have uh, Bell Canada is trying to uh, get rid of net neutrality. So you need Tunnel Bear for that. It does. I've heard it messes with podcasts, though. Oh, really? <laughs> like if you're <laughs> if you're in the middle of recording one and you push and turn it on. Oh, yeah, I walked into that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not the first one to walk into it. So, hey, Mark, the reason I wanted to ask you is, was, have you heard about what's happening with Gibson guitars? No. Are you, are you a Gibson, you're a PRS guy or a Gibson guy? What do you? I have various guitars. I don't have a Gibson. No? I do have a PRS uh, and, and a couple of other guitars, but I just never happen to get a Gibson. Yeah. So Nothing against them. It's just I just never happen to get one. So apparently they're like this close to filing for bankruptcy. Oh, no, really? Yeah. They The rumor is that they've closed their custom shop down and let a whole bunch of people go and really yeah they have to come up with something like 500 500,000 or 500 million by june huh. which is going to be pretty tough to do you know if you think about it yeah yeah, yeah. that's kind of major major news in the instrument musical instrument area you know yeah yeah i mean if they went away if the less paul went away that would be a dramatic thing. yeah well i can't imagine that would go away i mean this well there's so many knockoffs of that right but right but yeah i imagine someone would buy the name and probably buy the factory they, they went under yeah well i mean then they had that whole um, Epiphone stuff, right? It was, I mean, there's been all kinds of stuff about them doing that stuff. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, you think of all the artists that, you know, specifically played, you know, like, uh, you know, George Harrison played a Gibson, Jimmy Page played Gibsons, you know, um, Eric Clapton as well, right? In a lot of cases. Well, he was more of a Strat guy. Well, yeah, but he, uh, back in the Beatle days, he was playing, you know, Les Pauls and stuff, right? Mm. Yeah, it says here, uh, let's see. Yeah, are you sure about that amount of money? Because, I mean, it's a lot of money, but it's not really that much money. That's yeah, like a no, house. It says, uh, no, millions. In millions. Oh, five hundred uh, million, not five hundred thousand. No, 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 no. no. Okay, uh, so that's that's different. It says uh, situation facing iconic Nashville-based musical instrument maker, which has annual revenue revenues of more than one billion. Far from normal. Uh, recently left company or CFO. Wait, so uh, their 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 revenue is a billion, but their shortfall is five hundred million. Yeah, something like that. Um, it says, well, it, it says they have five hundred twenty million in debt that is coming due. Yeah. Hmm. So like what? an embezzlement case? Like how did that? How did <laughs> end up happening <laughs> this is like one of those things where you're like uh who's, who's smoking up the profits because yeah. this isn't adding well up. this is the thing is like they're they're pointing their finger at the at the current ceo i think right i just found out i was just poking around on some website on the weekend and i just saw this and i went oh this is really not good yeah, I, I think i think of the story the first thing i noticed was that a bunch of people got laid off and yeah here i'm on the far out magazine webpage. uh yeah they're laying off custom workers right which i talked about so yeah so ceo henry jesuits um yeah not good 519 Yep. See what they need to do is like what my um, semi semi joking conference proposal idea is. Came up with this when I was in Austin. It's called Mm -hmm. "Let's start an initial coin offering and make a lot of money." Where when this one hour session we will start an ICO mm-hmm. <laughs> live coding and, and we'll we'll get it started and we'll oh, make a ton the of talk? money. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> like so one of those, funny. you know, talks is like, let's make an app in an hour sort of things. Like, yeah, yeah, let's do yeah, that, yeah, yeah. but with an ICO. Nice. Yeah, I heard there's a lot of ICOs. That, well, mm-hmm. yeah, but I heard that there's there's tons of ICOs that are happening and they're just like falling like flies, right? It's starting, to, it's starting to crumble. I think that it might be just the very tail edge mm-hmm. of uh, of it. But yeah, MDJZ coin, and we can toss it into an app, but not on the App Store, apparently. We'll have to, uh, right, we'll have to right. make sure it's available on our download page. Right, yeah. We're Gibson Guitars, man. Oh, well. What'll that do for the, guitar, the value of the guitars, Mark? What do you think? Well, it would probably make them go up, <laughs> I would think, because, uh, you know, if they're not making any more, yeah, yeah. Then, then the older ones, yeah, the older guitars tend to have more value anyway. Yeah. Well, there's a reason why. I, they they changed the kind of woods that they're using in the newer guitars, right? Yeah, the, uh, what was it? Is and, it the uh, Brazilian Rosewood? Is that what it is? Yeah, and that, the Mahogany. That, so apparently they've been doing a lot of more ply yeah. and then ply than, uh, and, and apparently like the whole guitar industry, or, I mean, it contributed to the all the cries of you know cutting down the forest, right? So or the rainforests, yeah. yeah. Yep, yeah. Because I heard that they're doing a lot more chambering and stuff like that, and it was, I think it was because they they claimed it was for the benefit of guitars. So when people have found out that the earlier guitars, like the fifties and fifty to seventies guitars, were made more traditionally or more you know more conventionally, that they they went up in value, and the ones since the eighties and nineties or and so on and so forth are made of lesser yeah. quality, right? It was always at least for acoustics, it was always the, the pre pre World War Two acoustics mm-hmm. uh, that were the the best ones. Yeah, uh, and uh, after that, it, they started using cheaper materials, especially in the seventies. There were a lot of cheap. They they went from being handmade, mm-hmm. every guitar was handmade to factory made. Which which uh, I guess in the early days of fact of doing them in the factory, they were they were just kind of cheap uh, and not well done. But I imagine now with all the you know the like the uh, what are they called CNC, CNC and laser CNC cutting and, and all yeah. that. And yeah, they can probably make a, a much better guitar, I would think now. Mm-hmm. In a factory, than like then you can't buy hand. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Let's make it with sustainable bamboo. Yeah, but I don't know if bamboo will work because it's the because <laughs> bamboo is kind of a non-flexible wood, right? Yeah. Is it fle- is that, well, I don't know. Well, it's funny. It's that's it's, it's I'm, from the physics of how a guitar works, right? The like electric guitars, anyway. You know, it's it's measuring or it's capturing the movement of the string in a like in a magnetic field that creates the tone, right? Right. And they say that, and this is where Fender Defender Camp of having more solid you get a, clear, a purer tone, right? And they're always said on the Gibson side because they use the softer woods, you have more sustain, right? Because the wood adds voice to the, the guitar. But it's hard to say because it's still an electronic tone, you know? Yeah, it's not like an acoustic guitar where it's the chamber. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the amount of, of give that the wood has, you know, it with, as as the air vibrates, right, the wood moves as well. Yeah, well, unless they're using like the, what do you call those, piezo mics or whatever that pick up the actual acoustic of the, like on the electric guitars, I mean, like on the um, right, but you know, if you think about it, like in terms of like the you know the left-handing, right-handing, right-handing winding rule, rules of you know uh, electromagnetic fields and stuff like that. Like if it's a if you're if it's making the tone from the string vibrating in the field, then what does the wood or whatever around it have to do with it? Like how could it influence it? Right? Yeah. Maybe there's some Heisenberg properties in there or something. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess if guitars were digital, it would make a sense. It would make sense, right? Because why is it that a, a Gibson guitar has no. that kind of tone? Other than Unless it's using the humbuckers or whatever, right? And the way they wired up. Well, a lot of it's the pickups. Yeah. 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 Oh, hmm. But certainly for an acoustic guitar, the wood has. Oh, for sure. Huge impact. Uh, yeah. Huge impact. Yeah. Anyway, on that happy note, folks, I got to sign off. Yeah. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, it's tomorrow already. No longer Pi Day. Tau over two day. Tides of March. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. You are. If you haven't, if you haven't paid retail tax. 
that's true. But apparently somebody was telling me that Pi Day actually, or Pi, like, can be celebrated from between the 14th and the 16th, right? Yeah, that makes sense, because it's 31415, is it 6 or 9? Uh, but it, it rounds down on the 14th. <laughs> Pi Approximation Day is actually in Pi Day. You can use that, and so is Star Wars Day and, and Towel Day. Um, oh, what, by the way... Pi Approximation that July 22nd? That Pi Approximation? Okay. By the way, uh, did you guys know, interesting fact, by the way, in, you know, we, we haven't talked about Stephen Hawking, but he, he died just this morning, actually. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. As we record on March 15th, 14th, sorry. Um, he apparently was born on the 300th anniversary of Galileo's birthday, and he died on I, uh, Albert Einstein's birthday. So there is order in the universe? It's an interesting <laughs> coincidence. <laughs> uh, he's discovered. He, he knows now, right? Yeah. The I answer guess. to that question. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, <laughs> on that note, we'll see you guys later. All right, good night. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details